0: I got a question for you. Have you seen these things in life called life hacks? Have you seen these? Some of you are chuckling. I was not aware that there was such a thing until I watched a fellow church planner talk about it. And uh, I was kind of blown away. Kind of blown away. I mean, if we can get ahead in life, and there's an easy way to do it, I mean, we're going to do it, right? I mean, we, we are in the land of the free, the home of the brave. I mean, some of these things, if we can make it happen, it's an incredible thing. I, I brought just five of them. And uh, don't judge me if these don't blow your mind. All right. These were like, oh, my goodness, where have I been for 30 some odd years that I did not know about this? All right. Is there anybody handy in the room before I throw pictures up? anybody handy? Like you can fix stuff. You can any, anybody not handy in the room. Can I get an amen from the church today? All right. I mean, I like to believe I can do some stuff. I like to just like throw that out there in faith. Like, you can do this, brother. And then I call my father-in-law when I can't. All right. It's a little demoralizing, you know, a little humiliating. You know, hey, honey, can you call your dad? <laughs> you know, but uh, check this first life pack out. I mean, come on, somebody. Did you know you can do that? You will never hit your thumb again if you just have a clothespin. Amen. Some of you, you're not impressed. I just, I saw that this week and I was like, where have you been all my life? I've broken many a thumb over that. Go to the next one there. No cup holder? No problem. Listen, just because you did it all the time doesn't know that I did that. I didn't know about it. I mean, amazing. Go to the next one. I mean, I'm going to set somebody free right here. For those of you cooking, did you know that if you just lay a wooden spoon on your pot of boiling water, it will not boil over? I did not know that. What? I don't know what the lid's for. Who cares what the lid's for? I mean, this sets me free. How about this? Summer in Florida, you got a five-year-old? Not a problem anymore. You just need a cupcake tin. Just poke that sucker through. And then here, this is for all of us, right? You ever go to the airport and you just, you walk into the bathroom, it's time, you know what I'm saying? And uh, you've had airport food and it happens to all of us. You just need a pair of tube socks. Alright, so the next time you pack, you just take a big pair of tube socks, you're ready to set free, you know, you can process that for a little bit, amen. Why are those things funny to us though? Why are those things funny? Because in life we're always looking for the next shortcut, aren't we? In so many areas of life, we we want to do things faster, we want to do things better, and in most facets of life, that's that's not a bad thing. There's there are better ways and faster ways to do things. But as we come and do this closing to our 21 days of prayer and we're thinking about this series as we bring it to a close, pray first. And what Pastor Jake said earlier, First Thessalonians, chapter five, where it says pray always. And what I need you to know is that there are some things in life that there isn't a life hack for that there isn't a prayer hack for. That, that there are some things in life that you must slow down and be a part of. And your prayer life is one of those. And uh, what, what I want to do today is just walk you through some things that, that I've learned over the years in my life. That in some way could be a prayer hack for you, that in some ways could just be a pattern. I know many of you are, are new Christians or you're returning to uh, the church for the first time in a long time. And, and as we've been calling you to prayer over this 21 days of prayer, and as we want that to become a lifestyle for you, I just want to give you some patterns uh, that you can follow, some things that you can walk through And as we consider that, and if you want to take notes, they're in your worship guide. It's a note taker's dream today. Lots of stuff for you to write down. And uh, can I just encourage you to take notes today? Because there's a lot of things that I think will help you that you can do uh, throughout the week, throughout the next few weeks, and, and really develop this habit of prayer in your life. But as we consider that, the first blank there that I want you to fill in is how should we approach Prayer. And really, we could broaden that and say, How should we approach worship? How should we approach our relationship with God? Because prayer is that it's drawing near to God, it's joining God in a conversation. And I love what Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says. It gives us an important context and warning. From the wisest guy who ever lived, Solomon, he says this. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Verse 2. says, be not rash with your mouth. Nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Carefully approaching the presence of God, guarding our steps. How is it that we are careful with our words before God? How do we not offer that sacrifice of fools? How do we draw near to listen to his voice? I think it's important for us to have a pattern from Scripture that we approach God with. And we we talked earlier in this series about Psalm 100 and I think that's always an appropriate way that you enter his gates with thanksgiving and you come into his courts with praise and you bless his name. That, that you come in guarding your steps, careful that he gets the attention that he deserves before we do our thing. But I want to give you a New Testament example as well in Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. Philippians four, six and seven, because this comes to Uh, us from a guy who was in prison a guy who was in prison writing about joy Philippians is all about joy and here's what he says do not be anxious about how much anything how's that going for you I mean at the coon house that's not going well I'm anxious about a whole lot of stuff we have an eight-year-old real anxious about him I have a six a six-year-old super anxious about him (laughs) I have a two-year-old, my only girl. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. I am really anxious about the next ten years of her life. Right? I'm married. My wife is anxious about me. Amen? And those are silly things in some ways, but in other ways they're not, right? When you look at your life, there are so many things for you to worry about. So how can the Bible come and say to you... Don't be anxious about any of it. It's a powerful phrase, is it not? That you would take everything in your life right now, that you would just go ahead and make that mental list of every single thing you're struggling with and not be anxious about it. Thankfully, the verse doesn't stop there because we'd be in trouble. But look what it says. It says, but in everything. So be anxious about nothing But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Then look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, buried in that is a really important pattern for your prayer life. Go ahead and throw up those prayer circles for me. Uh, if, if you're uh, into drawing, today's your day. OK, go ahead and do this right there in your notes. Three circles. OK, because what I want you to see is in this text that there there is a cycle in your life that if you'll get on it and you'll pray it, it will change your life. So so look at this first one. The first one is worry, prayer and thanksgiving. The three circles of your life really can fall into those areas because There's things in your life that you're worrying about. There's things in your life that you're praying about. And there's things in your life that you're thankful for. But the the direction in which they flow is incredibly important. Because according to this text, look what it says. It says, worry about nothing. And if we were to leave it there, that would be really difficult. Worry about nothing. But look at the pattern goes. It says, pray about nothing everything. And give thanks in anything. So I want you to think about that as you pray about everything and give thanks in anything, you'll be able to worry about nothing. You see what the scripture is telling you, that when you start by praying about everything, the Bible says it elsewhere, it says, cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. The Bible says that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Why does it make these promises? Because in your life, we typically start with what we're worried about. We try to find something, anything to be thankful for. And if we have time, we won't pray first, but we'll pray last. And what the Bible's saying is no, no, no. There's this this cycle of life available to you that if you'll be thankful in anything, and pray about everything. You'll find this place where you can worry about nothing. And I don't know about you, but I need that in my life. I need, I need that kind of pattern in my life. You know, in, in, a, in a way, this 21 days of prayer was an offering you made to God. Think about that. As, as we look at this, we, we said pray first. It's actually a tithe of your time. That the first fruits of your life, that in every situation, you would pray first. 21 days, you did that. 21 days, we joined in and said, we're going to pray first. We're going to join God in generosity with our time because we know that what he said is true. That if we give thanks in any situation and pray about every situation... In every situation, we can be anxious for nothing. It's an important part of how we live our life. But how many of you know that if you're not intentional with that time, it's going to be Thursday and you're going to forget all of it. Right? Am I the only one who lives like that? I didn't think so. Jesus was intentional. Look at at how Jesus prioritized his prayer life. He did it in three easy ways. Next thing in your notes there, Mark chapter one, verse thirty five, it says this and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. If how many of you know if Jesus needed to be intentional with his time, you need to be intentional with your time. Amen. All right. So what what did he do? What did he do? He did three things. and, And here's a little side note for you. That the habits you build today will determine the success you experience tomorrow. The habits you build today determine the success you have tomorrow. So what did Jesus do? Number one, he set a place. He went to a desolate place. The desolate place for you might just be getting up 15 minutes earlier so your kids aren't awake. Or your boss isn't emailing. Or people don't need you. And you go to that lounger with a cup of coffee. Amen. The spirit works with coffee in hand. Hallelujah. And uh, you get away with God, right? It says that he set a place. Number two, he set a time. You got to figure out what that is for you. Some of you are like, man, the spirit doesn't even move till noon. All right. So you do it on your lunch break. You do whatever works for you. All right. But be intentional with your place. Be intentional with your time. And number three, make a plan. We live in a land of opportunity, with the click of a button on your phone on the UVersion Bible app, you have access to thousands and thousands and thousands of plans for reading the Bible. It'll read it to you. You you can you can not you can be in the mood to not even read, it'll read it to you. Right? But being intentional with that, and then by the way, it's a whole social media platform on its own. You can get friends involved. And hold you accountable to make sure so that when you get on there, they can see that your little check mark is not done. Right? Just a little healthy guilt. Amen? So, make intentional moves in your time with God. Because here's the reality. We all have time for what's important in our life. I don't ever run out of time to feed my children. It it just never happens somehow. Like, there, there's always time for food. <laughs> there's always time for coffee. I mean, in the, in the dire of straits, you get the Keurig out. Amen? All right? It's not the best, but we'll go with it. All right? In, in a pinch. Okay? Shout out to Foundation for our coffee today. Right? It was good. We've got to be intentional, right? I mean, get yourself a study Bible. The ESV study Bible has something like 50,000 notes. I mean, just just one verse a day, and you get a note, and constant... Building, constant building. If you're a journaler, what a, what better way than to journal your prayers and in five years look back at what God's doing? Be intentional with your time. Be intentional. Now, as you're thinking about that, I want to show you an example from the early church. Uh, an example of how the early church prayed. Okay, Because they were the first group to experience this move of God, and they they were anticipating that God was going to do something incredible in their midst. And I want you to see how they prayed. Look at Acts chapter four, verse twenty three. It says, "When they were released, they were with their friends and reported." Can I just give a shout out to City Groups right now? I'm supposed to announce this at the end of the church. I'm gonna go ahead and step in right here. City Groups start next Sunday. All right. Because we want to be like the early church. Yeah, go ahead. Give it a shout out. Little city group action. All right. We got all kinds of opportunities for you to be with your friends. Right. Church is better together. Okay. All over the place. All different days. We have opportunities for you to get connected to people. We want you to be in community. Why? Because even from the very beginning, they weren't doing church by themselves. Does that make sense? That that as we gather big, we also need to gather small, that, that you need people in your life that are going to do this with you. Look at what it says. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together. Shout out the city groups. They lifted their voices together. They're praying together. They're pursuing God together. And said, Sovereign Lord, who has made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed, against Jesus. For truly in this city there were gathered together against you, your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Everybody's against God. Everybody's against the church to do whatever your hand and whatever you had predestined to take place. (laughs) And I love this. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand To heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, did you hear that? And when they had prayed, not before, but right after, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Does it say that only the pastor was filled with the Holy Spirit? Does it say that only the pastor? was speaking boldly the word of God. What does it say? That all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit upon praying. So as they gathered, they prayed for five things. And this is a great pattern for your prayer life. Write these down. It says, number one, they acknowledge God. The first thing they did was acknowledge God. They're, they're saying, these are the things that you did. These are the things that you called from Way back in our ancestors with David, these are things you promise. They acknowledge God. Then, number two, they pray back to God what He's already said. They said, These are the things that you determined to do before the beginning of time. You said you were going to do them, and we want to see them, and we need your help to accomplish them. Number three, show your submission. They said, Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, we're available. And then number four, they asked for boldness. They asked for boldness to speak the word of God before they were given the answer. They were committed and asked for boldness. And number five, they asked for a miracle. They didn't, they didn't know how God was going to show up and do it, but they knew that they needed him to. You might have something in your life right now that you need God to show up and do it, but you're not sure how he's going to. They prayed for it. And don't you love God's response in Verse 31 says he filled them. The whole, the whole building was shaking. Anybody up for some building shaking in your life? The whole building was shaking and filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do with that? They spoke the word of God boldly. What an amazing thing. You know, as you're considering that, one of the things that is really important is what you're seeing here is a group of people being set free, isn't it? that they saw they had an issue. They're they're this new thing, this new church. And they're recognizing that there's a lot of issues that they're going to face. And they needed something. They needed the Holy Spirit. And He comes and He fills them. You know, as we work towards that as a church, you know, one of the things we're working really hard on right now Is this thing called growth track and it's not ready yet, but we're working hard on it because what we believe is for all of us to experience the move of the Holy Spirit. Each one of us has to be set free. That each one of us has to walk through the process of do I know God? Do I even know God? And once I know God, do I know what he made me for? He's given every single one of you a spiritual gift and he's called you to use it in the context of the local church. So do I know him and, and do I know how he's made me and where can I step into the church and use it? Th- th- there's this process that God calls and gives us in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 where he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and then go get more. That's not what it says. It says baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded them. And then you're supposed to go do it again. And so as we do that, we're we're just constantly pressing in and working towards Freedom. How how do we see people set free? Because the vision of our church is what? That we share and and spread the liberating power of the gospel. Why? Because that's Jesus' vision. Luke chapter 4. He said, I came to set the captives free. So as you're set free, you have the opportunity to go be salt and light on the earth and see other people set free. That's why we do what we do. And that's what the early church was moving towards and stepping towards because everybody has a step to take. Everybody does. But as you're considering what your step to take is, I also recognize that as you pray and as you pray in faith, and we've been talking about that, that some of you are going to be winning and some of you are going to be struggling, right? I mean, that's just reality. So the the, the next two headings in your notes, there are when you're winning and when you're struggling. Because some of you in a crowd like this, and add the first service to it, so some of us are winning in our prayer life. We're seeing God say yes to the things that we want. And we've seen that in this 21 days of prayer. We've seen multiple people have illnesses and, and like physical problems taken away. Just taken away. It's been incredible. And God's still doing that. But on the same token, we've had other people in this church. Some healed uh, Two that. I'm thinking specifically healed completely like actual physical damage healed completely. And on the other hand, we have one other family who experienced, two other families who experience great loss. So where is God in those moments? Where is God when he's saying yes and when he's saying no or wait or he's allowing you to struggle? Where is God in those two areas? Let's start with when you're winning. So when you're winning, the blank is pray in faith. When you're winning, pray in faith. Look at Hebrews chapter one. Sorry. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one and then verse six. It says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. So what you're seeing is that as we put our hope in Jesus And we put our faith in Jesus, this conviction is born in us that what we can't see is going to be. And the reason is, verse 6, look at this, it says, Because without faith it's impossible to please God. Okay, and then here's our connection to prayer. It says, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that what? He rewards those who seek him. God has rewards for those who seek Him. There's an available reward for those who seek Him. So, as you're praying in faith and you're seeing God answer that, rejoice in that. Uh, Pray more in faith. Join God in that, believing that He can do what He's called you to do and that He can do more than He's called you to do. Pray in faith. But what about when you struggle? What about when you struggle? What does God have to say to you? He would say this, I believe. Be encouraged. It's the blank there. Be encouraged. Why can I say that? We talked about the anxiety, being anxious for nothing. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anybody feel like that's just been their moment? That I'm in weakness, not seeing Him do what I want Him to do. In fact, I don't even know how to pray to ask Him to do what i want him to do look at what the scripture says it says for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words what an amazing promise that in the worst moments of your life when you can't see when the conviction of things not seen you know it but you can't feel it Where's God in that? He's interceding himself. The Holy Spirit himself is interceding for you with groanings too deep for words, with groanings beyond what we can understand or comprehend. That in the moments of struggle, the Holy Spirit is not just there, but he's working on your behalf when you can't work. What an awesome thing because look at what look at what happens. Verse 27, and he, the Holy Spirit, who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then this great verse that you all know, that a lot of times preachers use to rile you up and get you fired up, but it's actually born out of groaning too deep for words that we get this promise. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That whatever's going on in my life, I can be encouraged, I can have hope. Because even if I can't see it, my conviction of the things not seen is that the Holy Spirit is interceding on my behalf. Praying the prayers that I can't pray and working together God's will for my good. Even when I'm struggling. The Holy Spirit will pray for you when you don't know how to pray. What a powerful thing. What a powerful thing. One of our core values at church is to serve the city. One of the ways you do that for each other, the Bible says carry each other's burdens. Serve each other. Be a, a conduit in which others can receive grace. It's freedom. It's setting people free. It's you uh, lifting others and being the church. It's a lot to consider. If you took notes, there's a lot to consider there about your prayer life and about being intentional with it. But I'm going to have the band come back up. We're going to take communion here in just a second. But as they do, I want to just encourage you with a key takeaway if you can boil all of that stuff into one thing if i could encourage you to take all those things and just start to boil them into your life to use them in your life i would encourage you to do it this way and it's the last blanks in your notes i'm calling it this our series has been pray first we've been intentionally trying to pray first to pray as our first response not our last resort and what i'm calling this is the pray first 15 it's a starting point it's a place for you to begin and and there's three sections of 5 minutes that i want to encourage you to do over the next 21 days so we've ta- we've prayed together for 21 days and now i want to encourage you to incorporate that into your life for the next 21 days because psychologists tell us that 21 days you'll build a habit if you'll commit to something for 21 days, you'll build a habit. And instead of building a bad habit, going, oh, I've done my 21 days. I don't got a log on anymore. But you just continue to press into what God's doing in your life. Number one, five minutes of prayer. Just get up 15 minutes early. Take the first five minutes and pray. Just join with God. Just give Him the first five minutes. And then take five minutes of Bible reading. Start with the Psalms, start with the Proverbs, just five minutes. And then number three, five minutes of a worship song. Let's just individually put into practice what the scripture tells us to do. Right? That's Psalm 100. We come into his courts with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, blessing his name. And I believe it will change your life.